0: Good morning! Man, what an honor and a privilege to be here with you today. Uh, before I get into my message, Adopted into Purpose, uh, I just want to share a little bit about me, for those of you who I haven't had the pleasure of getting to know. Um, <laughs> the first thing, I guess we'll talk about my immediate family right now. So I'm married to Isaac, who actually just did the announcements, and I also have a one-year-old daughter named Harper. Um, Here's the some cute pictures of her um, and then also uh, I've been a part of passionate life Church since the very beginning I, uh, I, I actually met pastor Andrew and pastor Don and a few others back in Jacksonville Florida and transplanted here to be a part of building passionate life Church so all of you are very near and dear to my heart because we were praying for you seven years ago so I um, It's just an honor and a privilege, and so thank you. Thank you to the leadership and the pastors of this church. Uh, I don't take this responsibility lightly, and I am excited for the word that God has on my heart today. So, the other part I should probably tell you is that I was adopted. Um, I was three days old when my parents got me,
1: so um,
0: I didn't get to have quite that reaction, you know, of like, oh my gosh, I'm adopted. Um, But I was raised knowing it. My parents. Celebrated my adoption day every year, also known as a Gotcha Day, um, whatever term you're familiar with. Um, so it was always something that was celebrated. It was exciting, and you know, something that was a little confusing for me as I was growing up is the reality that I had a family. I always had a family, and when I would, when, <laughs> when I was younger, I just remember people asking questions, right? Um, and some of those questions are deeper questions, and some of them were just kind of like lighthearted, a little like. Where'd you get your red hair and freckles from? And my mom always said, you just tell them you got it from Jesus. And so um, I said, I, I got it from Jesus. And so anyways, uh, that's a little bit about how I viewed adoption. I'm going to get more into my story as we talk about the message that I have on my heart today. Um, but that I just wanted to kind of set that up and help you understand why this is something near and dear to my heart. Now I'm about to tell you why it should be near and dear to your heart. So. If we can put up the scripture, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And so you, since you are his child, God has made you his heir. How amazing. We can go home now. I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so um, that kind of sets up for the message and basically literally kind of overarches the whole thing I'm going to be talking about. But before we get too deep into it, let us pray. All right, Lord, I just thank you uh, for each and every person that's in this room today. It's no accident that they're here today. I ask right now that your Holy Spirit would do what only you can do. And uh, Lord, that, that we would respond to this message the way that, that you're drawing us to respond to it. And that we would receive all that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Awesome. Okay, the next scripture I want to go into it's Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 through 6. Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace. He has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. I got news for you today. You were made to experience adoption. That's what this whole Christian faith is about, is being adopted into God's family because of what Jesus did on the cross. So what I love about that scripture is it kind of, I feel like in that scripture it answers a lot of core questions that a lot of us have. Whether we have them today or whether we've had them in the past or I, I think you'll relate to at least one of these questions. Am I loved? Am I cared for? Am I pleasing? Do I belong? I think we all kind of ask these kinds of questions. We have to live experiencing love. Like, we're made to experience connection and love. So I'm going to share a little bit of, of my testimony um, and how I experienced Jesus and how adoption plays into it. and. Um, Yeah, I feel like I need to brace you that um, there there are some deep things that we're going to be talking about today. It's going to have to do with mental health. It's going to have to do with teenage pregnancy because my birth mom was 16 when she gave birth to me. Um, So there's just a lot of different dynamics that go on in that. And so um, basically, I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, I have one brother, and he was also adopted, and he has separate uh, birth parents, and he never met them. Uh, I met my birth mom when I was about 17. I met her, her parents, and her sister. And um, that meeting, unfortunately, uh, I mean, the meeting itself was actually kind of neat. Uh, but you know, I was still hurting and broken from my own, you know, just being a teenager and insecure and things like that. And um, I, I was really hurt uh, that that she decided that meeting me was closure. And let me preface and say there's a lot of issues I dealt with because of that, but I I do not blame her, okay? Because there's no there's no book on how to do that. Like, how do you meet your biological family, and 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 what expectations am I going to have? And you know, like the reality is I already have a mom, so she's not that. But I honor the fact that she chose to give me life when it wasn't convenient. So. Um, I just want to preface, because that's really important to me, that her and her family are honored in what they chose to do. So uh, along with that, I, I was confused about a lot of things. I grew up in church, and, and the church basically fell apart when I was in high school, middle school. Uh, I had some really poor experiences with some of the other youth kids. and um, So I was really confused about church because there were a lot of moral issues that happened. That's why it fell apart. So um, there's that dynamic that I'm confused about church. Therefore, I'm confused about religion. I'm confused about, uh, like, being adopted. And, and the reality is I didn't really know anybody else who was, so there wasn't anybody that I could feel like I, I related with that understood what I was talking about. Um, and I think the other thing is um, my brother had some, some issues. He struggled with addiction for over half my life. He's two years clean, which is almost two years clean. Yeah. Um. But a dynamic that I lived with in my home is that my parents were really sweet and country and amazing people that were just so wanting to be loving. And um, my brother actually was like a middle guy for dealing heroin out of our own home. Um, So those were, if if you're familiar with addiction at all or or know anyone who's in addiction, you you understand some of the struggles that I lived with. Um, But anyway, so all of that, along with being a teenager and making dumb choices. Uh, brought me to a place where I was completely lost, confused, searching, searching for belonging, searching for answers. And so um, uh, I lived, in, I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, and then I moved to Lafayette, Louisiana to, to go to school. Uh, and then I dropped out about two and a half years in because I was pretty much clinically depressed. And, um, I, by that time I knew I, I knew I needed Jesus and I kind of started going to church a little bit. And so I was only attending though. I was like, I'm not giving you anything. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to serve. I don't want to know you. I just want to come here and worship Jesus. Okay. It's my one time a week that I pay attention to him and that's where I was at. And so I, I so what I'm about to share, I promise is relevant. Okay. So Wednesday night, there was a Wednesday night that I went to a church service. And if you've ever been depressed, then you know what I'm talking about when I say it's hard. I'm forcing myself to go in a church where I don't feel connected, which I'm not blaming anybody else. It's kind of my own fault. But still, I was disconnected, searching for God, alone. And I'm in that, I'm in that church service. And, and one of the, th- the songs that they were singing was a song by Jeremy Camp called Enough. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sing for you today. You're missing out, just so you know. Um, but anyways, the song, the lyric was, All of you is more than enough for all of me. And there's more in that, in that song that was just hitting home. But all of you is more than enough for all of me. And at that moment, I'm standing there in the middle of, of this church, kind of blending in with the crowd, alone, you know, and I am standing there, and I look around me, and I see everybody, like, kind of lifting their hands. It was a more contemporary Baptist church, so they sometimes lifted their hands. Um, and so, so, anyways, uh, they, they uh, you know, some people were, you know, holding their hands. Oh, yes, kumbaya, you know. And I'm looking, and I'm like, is that real? Like, I wonder how many people in this room seeing that song really mean And then I had a heart check and God was like, "Stop judging people. And you can't be the judge of that." And so then I my heart changed and I was like, "Okay, this is about me. Why can't I feel this way? Why 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 isn't God enough? I can't sing this song because he doesn't feel like enough for me." He doesn't he doesn't feel like all I need. I still liked my sin. I still like doing whatever I wanted to do more than God. That's where I was at. And so but at the same time I was so sick and tired of, of my sin. And so it was just this weird dichotomy. So, anyways, that song comes on and, and people are singing, I'm in that place, you know, and they're kumbaya. And I sat down and I just wept. I just cried that entire church service because Things. Number one, I wanted to feel that way. I wanted God to be more than enough for me. I wanted it. I wanted Him to be more than enough for me. And then the second thing is, how am I standing in the same place as the rest of these people around me, but I can't experience what they're experiencing? What's wrong with me, God? And that's how I was feeling that day in a church service. I just cried the whole time. And then I was also overcome with, you know, jealousy, like envy of, like, why can't I have what you have? And so, you know, also jealousy kind of just makes you feel ugly on the inside. You hate it because you're like, I just want to be content with me. And so that's where I was at. So I left that church that day that service ended and I walked out and um, nobody really asked how I was or, or if I was okay. Uh, and so. I left that church service feeling pretty, um, not great. Uh, I, I was leaving that church service feeling pretty not valuable. Like I didn't matter. God didn't care about me, and neither did His people. That's how I felt that day. And so that was like my last ditch effort of just like God, like I just want some help. Give, give throw me a bone here, you know. And so I spiraled deeper and deeper into depression. So from Wednesday to Sunday, I then got to a very, very dark place uh, where I was struggling with suicidal thoughts. I was struggling struggling with suicidal thoughts, um, but at the same time, I wanted help. I wanted to be free of that. And I could feel the war for my life. And so um, I I remember I called a friend, and, and then I said, I'll do whatever it takes. I just, I need help. So long story short, I wind up being checked into a mental health facility. And um, that was a really weird experience, to be honest, Um, because they had two wings. They had a wing that was for the drug addicts that were trying to rehabilitate. And then they had a wing that was for people that um, dealt with uh, more delusion and, and schizophrenia and things of that nature. And so what they said to me was, well, you're a higher-functioning depressed, so we're going to put you on the left wing with the drug addicts. Uh, mind you, I never struggled with addiction in my life. So it was just really weird because I didn't really feel like I was getting the help that I was looking for. Anyways, uh, I get to the psychiatrist, and he's asking me, Do you know what causes your depression? So I said, Yes, I'm, I'm very confused about a lot of things that conflict with my faith. And... He didn't have an understanding to me, and so he's like, well, there's this really cool nurse practitioner I have that maybe she'll connect with you. And I'm like, don't you get paid to do this? <laughs> and so anyways, I and, and he had a suggestion for me that totally kind of went contradicted and went against what I stand and believe for. And so I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And that's when he was like, okay, I'm not a good fit for you. Okay, I didn't know that that could even happen in a mental hospital. like. And so fast forward, and this woman comes and gets me out of one of the little small groups that was for drug addicts that I wasn't an addict. And uh, she's walking down the hallway with me, and she looks at me as we're walking. And if you've ever been depressed before, then you understand how flat that I'm talking about. She's like, you look really familiar. And listen, you ever been in one of those places? That is not what you want to hear, okay? There's not what you want to hear. And so I was like, I don't know. (laughs) And avoid eye contact, like look away. (laughs) So then she was like, do you go to such and such church? And I looked at her and I said, yep, I sure do. And then she stops me and she, she touches my shoulder and she says, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You shouldn't be here right now. I was sitting behind you in church. On Wednesday night, and the Holy Spirit told me to talk to you and I didn't. I'm really sorry I'm gonna get you the help you need and she took me pro bono and got me out of that hospital way quicker than I should have ever gotten out because of the fact that I went in because of suicidal stuff uh, Louisiana had a, a law that you were supposed to stay in for fourteen days and I get out in three. and so in that moment, I felt seen by God I felt like God finally. Heard my prayers, and he saw me, and he met me right where I was, broken and all. And now you're probably like, what does this have to do with being adopted in the purpose? So also in that time, my mom, uh, I, I called my parents whenever I was already in the hospital. They didn't know I was depressed. And so I called them like, hey, I'm, I'm in a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> and um, so that kind of caught them off guard. And my dad basically, my mom worked for my dad, and my dad said, go. Go be with her. Go go make sure she's okay. And my mom sat in that hospital in their waiting room ten to twelve hours every day I was there waiting for me to get out, fighting with insurance companies, and visiting me every time I could have a visitor. That's adoptive love. That's adoptive love. And see, that's just one example. That's just one example, and, and also a way that you know that I'm a lot more than just the smile you see at the Welcome Center. And so what I want you to know today is that God wants you to experience this adoptive love. And, and there are some things that I learned about adoption since I was adopted that really carry over into this spiritual aspect. There are three facts about being adopted. Three facts that I'm going to share with you about being adopted. Um, I had a whole longer list, but we would be here a long time if I didn't narrow it down. So, the first one facts about being adopted facts about being adopted. Number one, we are pursued and fought for. Now notice that I didn't say I, I said we, because you were made to be adopted into this family with Jesus. And I bet that if you think back on your life, you could see how God's pursuit got you here today. I bet there are battles you can think of that you're like, yeah, I never should have won that one. God did that. Like, God is pursuing you and fighting for you today. Even if you don't feel it. Listen, I know what it's like to sit in a church and not feel it and feel like, God doesn't care about me. Listen, he cares about you. He cares about you. Okay? Now it's like, okay, where is this in the Bible? You ready? Okay. Luke 15. Three through six. So Jesus told them this story. He's talking to the Pharisees, the really religious people that are all about the rules and the law. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me. Because I have found my lost sheep. That looks like pursuit of me. And that's out of the mouth of Jesus. That's pretty awesome. And then also what I think is really neat is in Isaiah 53.6. It's going to come up in just a minute, I think. Okay, Isaiah 53.6. It's okay, I know it here. Paraphrased, but. Isaiah 53.6 talks about how we are, we are prone to go astray. We're prone to go astray like the one lost sheep. And how Jesus came and paid it all so that we could be brought back. Okay, and Isaiah is in the Old Testament. That scripture in Luke is in the New Testament. How amazing. Isaiah was written way before Luke was ever even in existence. It's such a foreshadowing of of your story, of your adoption story, and the pursuit of God for your life. It's throughout the whole Bible. All right, point number two, facts from being adopted. We are loved when we feel unlovable. We are loved when we feel unlovable. I felt pretty unlovable when I was in that hospital, and I felt pretty unlovable other times too, but... The reality is is none of us are perfect, and so whenever our not-so-great parts of ourselves come out, then we're like, I'm not lovable. Like, this is such a hard, bad part of me. I don't want anybody to see it. And listen, God wants you to experience his love in those places because that's what heals and restores it. Romans 5, 8. We have that one, right? Yes. Okay. Um, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. How amazing is that? I would call that my darkest hour. You know, like, the reality is, is I was so confused about Jesus that I was going out to bars getting drunk and telling people, do you want to come with me to church tomorrow? Okay, he loved me in my darkest hour. Okay? (laughs) Okay? And he loves you in your darkest hour. Number three, we are embraced. When we can't reciprocate, we are embraced when we can't reciprocate. This is a hard one for people, I think. <laughs> um, So back to Luke 15, but I have a different version. There's It should be the message version. Luke 15, 3 through 5. Or not the message, the Passion Translation. Sorry. Okay. There once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs. But one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. He didn't stop until he finally found it. With exuberant joy, he raised it up, placed it on his shoulders, carrying it back with cheerful delight. Again, we see embraced when you can't reciprocate. Embrace when you can't reciprocate. So that lamb that he's using as a parable to talk about us, Pretty sure that lamb didn't walk back. He literally threw it over his shoulder and was like, I got you. I got you. Now, I have a funny story for you about being embraced and we can't reciprocate. Because the reality is, is we're made to experience this adoptive love. And as Christians, we're made to share this adoptive love with people. And so I'm going to share an example that, uh, uh, so I was a part of a life group back in Florida. and. Uh, me and my friend were walking out of this life group earlier. Uh, I can't remember if I was leading yet. I don't think I was. And I was working through a lot of stuff, but she said something to me that felt really churchy, and I was like, you're not understanding me. And so I was really just kind of annoyed. So we're walking out together, and she gets to me, and she, and then right now I'm going to call up Pastor John, because you need to have a visual of this. You need to have a visual of what this will look like. Okay. Um, so... We're walking out to the car, and she's like, Well, it's been a great night. Uh, I, can I give you a hug? Goodbye. And I was like, Sure. So she hugged me. I'm not kidding. It was like this. And then she goes, Are you going to hug me back? I said, Nope i'm sure not and then she says that's okay i'm gonna hug you anyway <laughs> give a round of applause listen how simple is that how simple is that And in that moment i really i felt so loved i was ugly and i was being a brat <laughs> you know what i mean that wasn't very nice but she loved me anyway. She embraced me anyway. She was being so much like Jesus in that moment. She was living a, from knowing she was adopted and sharing it with somebody else. So she was living out the purpose of Christ in her life. Not that hard to give somebody a hug, you know? Um, so, summing that all up, the lost sheep was pursued, loved, valued, and embraced. The lost sheep is a great example of God's adoptive love. But what holds us back from From experience, this adoptive love. What holds us back? The first thing is, we maybe we just don't know. We don't know that that we're loved by God this way. Maybe you don't know that you're loved by God this way. And today's the first time you're hearing that. I am so glad you're here. God brought you here so that you could hear that. And then the next point: shame from your past. So no, I've done too much, God, and I've tried to hide too much from you, and I've lied, and I've I'm confused about who I am, and I I I can't separate the wrongs I've done from who I am, because the wrongs that I've done don't define who I am. And then the next point, abuse or poor upbringing. Sometimes that can conflict with like, well, if I'm supposed to experience this, then why did I experience this? And listen, if that's you apologize. I'm sorry that you, you didn't get to experience that growing up, but I have good news for you. God brought you here so that you can learn that he will provide a way for you to experience this adoptive love, and that's the power of his church. And then the next thing, thinking we're not worthy. I spent part of my life thinking, I need to prove to my birth mom that I was worth her pain and labor and sacrifice. I used to feel like I, I got I to gotta prove something. Listen, Jesus proved that you're worthy. What Jesus did on the cross proved that you are worthy. You don't have to work for it. You are valuable the way you are right now. And then the last point, the last thing that holds us back from living in this freedom of adoption Searching in all the wrong places. I realized when I look back at the things that I went to, instead of Jesus, the whole time I was looking for Jesus. I didn't know that he's who I was looking for. I was going into into the arms of all the wrong people. Whether it be friendships or relationships. I was looking for, for everyone else to fulfill what only Jesus could do in my life. And so, so, those are some of the things that can hold us back. And listen, that's all of us. I don't care how I don't, I don't care how good you feel today. At some point, you experienced one of those, probably. So, how amazing that we can work through some of these things with the help of each other. Now, I like to call something. There's something called holy tension. I don't know if I made it up or not. I can't remember if I read it in a book and it stuck. But anyways. I looked up the definition of tension, and then I kind of created my own uh, definition so, so you know what I'm talking about. Okay, holy tension, mental or emotional strain that stretches me and makes me more like Christ. Listen, there's been a lot of situations in my life that have not been fun, and it doesn't feel like adoption. It doesn't feel like, it feels like, where are you, God? You took me from one dysfunctional family to put me in another dysfunctional family. That doesn't make sense to me. Because reality is we all have issues in our families, different things, because we're all humans, we're all people, we all mess up. So feel free in that. It's okay. So holy tension. I'm gonna tell you about a holy tension that's relevant to my adoption. I had to be let go of by one family in order to be grafted into another. Now, before I get into what is grafted, um I remember when I met my my birth mom and her parents and her dad looked at me, because it was a closed adoption, and her dad looked at me and said, and he's tears in his eyes, I've prayed for you every day since the day you were born, praying that you would be raised in a home, that you would know the name of Jesus, and that you would know him as your Lord and Savior, and I was praying that for you, not knowing whether you were a boy or a girl. And in that moment, I realized this tension. Because, listen, adoption is always exciting for me. My parents let me go out to eat for that day every year. Like, they always put things in such a great picture, which is the truth. Like, they felt like they couldn't give me what I needed. So they gave me to somebody else who could give me what I needed. That never seemed like a bad idea to me. So in that moment, I realized there was this tension. Like, wow, there was a lot of heartache to get to that. So let's talk about what being grafted is. What being grafted is. A shoot or twig inserted into a slit on the trunk or stem of a living plant from which it receives sap, a piece of living tissue that is transplanted surgically. Grafting a plant whose roots are prone to a soil disease onto a rootstock that is resistant to that disease would allow that plant to grow successfully where it would otherwise have problems. Listen, we're not talking about me now. We're talking about all of us. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. We are grafted into his family. So what disease we came from or whatever dysfunction we came from or whatever heartache we came from, we've been transplanted and put on Jesus. How amazing is that? So how do I, how do I live like this? How do I live in this adoptive love? I'm gonna tell you it's a lot, it's a lot easier to say and harder to do. Receive and depend. Receive and depend. Receive what? A lot of things. Receive Jesus. Receive Jesus. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, receive Jesus today. The second thing: receive his Holy Spirit. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Three days later rose again and left his Holy Spirit as a gift for all of us so that we could walk in the power of him so that we can walk in our purpose and we have been adopted into purpose. Receive Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive forgiveness. Receive his promises for your life. Receive what I'm saying today that you're adopted by God. Receive it. We can be needy with God. Listen, humans have limits. We can't always be needy with humans because there's, de- there's an end, right? Like, there's a place where we as people become depleted. I have nothing left to give you. Jesus is the fountain that never runs dry. It never runs dry. So we can be as needy as we want with Jesus. And he loves it. He takes pleasure in it. Ephesians 1.5. He takes pleasure in this. How amazing is that? and then depend. We have to learn to depend on God and depend on others. Depending on God and depend on others. This is so counterculture. I N D E P E N D E N T, right? Um, okay. So we have to learn to rely on other people. We're not made to do life alone. So, how do how do we do this? How do I start? Listen, go to a life group. Join a life group. Listen, I hated life groups. I'm telling you, I sat there, and I was like, and I remember being part of the church plant team, and I remember the first thing that Pastor Andrew and Pastor John said, we want you to be a leader in the singles ministry. And I was like, "The." <laughs> so here's the reality is I get you. If you're that person that's like, no, I don't want to. I get you. But listen, I had to get over it and do it anyway so that I could walk in the purpose that God had for my life. So, we're about to wrap up here, and um, I believe that a lot of us, some of us in here, maybe you, you don't know Jesus, and you're like, I wanna know Jesus. I want him to, that sounds like a good deal right there. And I'm telling you, it is a good deal. Okay? So... You might be in that boat today, or you might be in the boat of, I know Jesus as my savior, but I I don't know this adoptive love that like, I'm loved when I have nothing to give. Or maybe, you know, I'm talking about purpose and you're like, nah, God can't use me. I'm too broken. I'm too hurting. Listen, what did I just share? I was depressed, misdiagnosed. I was on medicine for three years. I was rejected from a Bible college and here I'm standing today. Broken people can't be used. Because listen, without Jesus, I am broken. Without him, I am broken. I'm a mess. And so today I believe what what God wants to do is, is we walk around, okay, and we carry these excuses of why we can't walk in the purpose that God has for our lives or why we can't receive this adoption. And I remember being a little girl, and I was about six or seven, and my mom would take me to the, take me to the doctor's office, and, you know, they have the family history forms. And across that family history, because it was a closed adoption, we knew nothing about my birth mom besides the fact that she was 16. That's all we knew. And across the entire paper of all the ailments, my mom obnoxiously wrote, N-A, adopted. Like that. And see, I believe today that some of us walked in with these papers and these ailments, and they're defining us, and they're holding us back from what Jesus died on the cross so that we could experience the fullness of his power, full forgiveness, full redemption. How amazing is that? And so we're about to go into a response time. But before we do, there's one last scripture that I want to read. As we close here. And it's Psalm 139. Five. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. God has a blessing for you today. That's why you're here. He has a blessing for you today. He must to impart something to you today. So I encourage you as we go into this time of worship to receive what God has for you today, to have a, a, an attitude of humility. Um, if I could have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. And if if you're sitting in this room today and you've never said, yes, I want this adoption. I want Jesus! With every head bowed and I'd close if you could raise your hand. Every head bowed and I'd close if you could raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And then if we could all join in a prayer, um, a prayer dedicating, uh, dedicating our lives to Jesus and You know, for some of us, it's, it's a reminder. And so if you all could just repeat after me. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross. I want to receive all that you have for me today. Holy Spirit, fill my life. And Jesus, be my Lord and King all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen.